I think we have this weird relationship to expression and creativity where it's like, I can only do it if I'm good at it. I can only do it if I'm the best at it. And it's like, that's just not true. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you can make money from it. You know, it doesn't mean that you can compete based on where you're at, but it doesn't mean that you have to be quiet and doesn't mean that you're not allowed to do this thing. It doesn't mean you have to be inactive. And I think that there's an important line of this conversation, which is that just because you're new at it, just because you're maybe not good at it, maybe just because you haven't had the best teachers or you haven't learned or whatever, or maybe you're behind everybody, doesn't mean that you don't get to play too. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte, identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Uh-oh, it's podcast time. <laughs> Way of the artist. <laughs> I just wanted to make you laugh. Um, so we're doing another one. We're, uh, we're uh, recording another conversation for you about life and artistry and making something out of it. And uh, this, one, this one is an important one, actually, to me. And you brought it up, Evan, and it's kind of your love child, but... I actually am, this is a, this is one of those conversations that's very close to my heart, those topics, but well, I thought, the title I thought of this be, is, I thought you would be game, you know, with this one. Yeah. I, I, I knew I'm like, this is, this is, you know, right. Even though it's like a personally kind of relevant thing for me right now, I know this is right up Brandon's alley. I knew you were going to be on board for this one. <laughs> I was, I was mostly sure yeah. you were going to be on board. Well, it's uh, what we call in the film industry, a one take wonder. You just kind of knock it out of the park on the first try. You're like, I think maybe we should talk about this. And we're like, yeah, let's talk about that. That sounds great. And then you kind of even went off. And I was just, when I was listening, I was already, I've already decided we're doing yes. this. <laughs> but you were like telling me why, and you're filling in the story about like, you know, why you think we should talk about it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm just waiting for you to finish. I'm listening to you, but I'm yeah. waiting for you to finish and say like, thumbs up, let's do that. Um, the title of this is what you want, no apologies. And you know, I interpret that as in some ways being unapologetic about what you want, but also I think there's, there's more to that. You know, you, you want to be, you want to be mindful, I think, in the way that you approach this topic, because it's not about being a jerk or just kind of being selfish or entitled. It's about taking ownership and really stepping into yourself, stepping into your your sense of power, your sense of purpose and going for that and not, not worrying about how people maybe, you know, I want to say my part before I kind of let you jump in, but I I just want to say it's, it's, it's about being unapologetic about being bigger than people maybe think you are, or maybe you think you are. It's about you, you know, taking some authority over something you know something that's meaningful to you and and going for that and making something out of it that's how i interpret it because i think the imposter syndrome is a real thing especially for artists and anybody who has a dream and i think that each and every one of us have to face that and i have some stories about some battles that i've had with this but that's what we're talking about and i think that if you have something that you've been like kind of waiting to embark on, or maybe you want to take whatever you're doing to that next level. Um, You know, I think this is a good kind of 
conversation might open up some doors. And it's a conversation I kind of wish someone talked about when I was younger, you know, more. And I don't know if we can get into that. I don't know if we're even going to be able to fill in the stuff that I want to fill in for it. But I, I just think it's an important thing for people to hear. So well, let's see what happens. Yeah, no, I, I you know, it, it's it's funny because this is the kind of conversation and, and the kind of topic that at one point in my life would make me feel very uncomfortable, you know, and, and I wonder what people have thought when, you know, when they clicked on this episode, you know, if there's people who, uh, are like me or, or what I, I've sort of felt about this kind of subject matter or title like this, because yeah, there's a, a a former version of me (laughs) would have been like, ugh, like I can't, I can't stand this kind of stuff. You know, like there's an element of the, this sort of raw, 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 you know, just like smash through, just, you know, get there's, there's, I don't know. I, I had a lot of um, ideas around kind of what this sort of no apologies um, sort of statement kind of entailed, you know, like it's, it brought up things of selfishness and, and be and being a, like an inconsiderate person, you know, and, and that's not what we're talking about here. You know, uh, we're talking about something that's much deeper than that. I think we are at least. <laughs> but it's I, I just want to address that coming out of the gate because, you know, there are there are a lot of people who are, you know, sort of motivational speakers or, you know, inspirational talkers or whatever. And they do kind of fit that sort of model of like, of like, what the fuck do you want? No apologies. You go for it and blah, blah, blah. blah. And you know, like that's (laughs) almost, you know, if that works, if that works for you in terms of, um, you know, going for what you want and your dreams in a way that doesn't, you know, absolutely shit on the lives of other human beings, (laughs) then absolutely fantastic. But that's only one sort of approach of this no apologies. And and for me, uh, this conversation of no apologies is really just about, you know, we talk about claiming your own path and claiming your own path is about having no apologies. It's about a, a sense of knowing what life is asking of you you know, which I see as being very much the same as what you actually and truly want. Normally, I think those things align. And, and the more uh, the more you begin to know yourself and know who you are, the more that you begin to see that, that this, this, there's this parallel of what it seems like life is asking from you and what, you, what it is that you actually want are the same thing they're mm. this beautiful marriage and when you start to get in touch with what that thing is no apologies for it no apologies for that thing no apologies for your nature no apologies for that thing that you are here to do in the world mm. for the way that you're supposed to serve and give value to to all of us and you not know. even just to everyone else to yourself and to yourself, like, absolutely. Like, like that's an important. You count part of in this. all of this. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you're just doing something because you want to do it, and it's fulfilling for you. I was listening to the Bill Burr podcast actually this morning, and there was uh, 
question that was sent in. He answers questions, and I, I actually like that part. It's one of my favorite parts of his podcast. His perspective on things, I think, is really is really interesting. And also, I think there's certain things that he has a lot of clarity about, which, you know, he's an older guy. He's, like, in his 60s, right? So he has is he had, really? Yeah. So he's had, like, um, he's had quite a lot of life to, you know, really, like, learn some things and look at stuff. And he's somebody who I at least admire from the point of view of like, I think he works really hard at being, you know, a top tier comedian and also continuing to up his game. But for this particular thing, someone wrote in and they said, you know, I'm, I'm 45 years old and um, I, I've recently been really interested in painting. And I told my wife and she's like, just totally ignored the question or comment and said like, this shed's dirty, like it needs cleaning. And yeah, exactly. And he's like, so yes, Bill, what do I do? Right. And Bill's advice was, he's like, he's like, you know, basically he said like, no apologies. You don't need to apologize that you want to get into painting, that you want to do this. And, and, and you're not too old. And he was basically making the point. He's like, you're the way you're telling me this, you're saying like, you're too old to start something new. And it's like, that's not true. It's like, these are the things that are going to keep your mind growing and to keep you expanding. And they're going to keep you, you know, like loving life. Otherwise you're going to get depressed. And he was kind of really pairing this whole thing with like the alternative to you not doing painting, if that's what you want to do is depression. And he was like, not so subtly, but subtly saying that's the alternative to you not following through with what's in your heart. And he said, you know, talk to your wife and ask her what's going on about that, but understand that you're in the right here. And I totally agreed with him there. It's like, you know, maybe there is, we don't know that relationship. For example, we don't know all the details about that couple and how they interact and whatever's going on there. But at the end of the day, that person who wants to paint, no matter how old they are and whether they're going to become some great Picasso or they're just going to paint for fun and enjoy it. It's like, that's something you want to do and you don't have to apologize for that because that's an expression of you and anything that's like that, you do not need to apologize for because your painting is not going to hurt anybody. And it's not going to, you know, like nobody has a right to be upset about that. You know, Mm -hmm. that's their problem if they do, and it has nothing to do with you. So you don't need to apologize for that. And if you're, you know, if you take this question further, like if your life is just cleaning out the shed, you know, take that analogy almost further. It's like, what kind of life is that? You know? Yeah. yeah, we have responsibilities. Yeah, we have stuff to take care of. But that's that. That's a lot of what these conversations are about. Like, where is the room for your expression? Where's the room for your art? Where's the room well, for you? I mean, artistry itself, to at least for me, is this expression of just like, there is something more to life than the hamster wheel that we are presented. You know, the like there's just a an interesting thing about what is the thing that compels people to make art in the first place yeah to tell stories to to write music to you know create incredible images there's like why like there's like there doesn't seem to be any rational reason for it it doesn't fit any of our sort of mechanistic survival needs but it meets a certain part of our survival I think absolutely like it's part of our spiritual and soulful survival mm-hmm. is what art is to me. It's like, it's, it's like, is it necessary? No, but that's kind of part of what is so amazing about it. 
is because yeah. it's not necessary, but at the same time, it absolutely is. You know, what's interesting is, you know, Gabriel Napora, he was on the podcast uh, back when we were the B&E, right? And he talked about movie producing and he, it's a great talk. And if you guys mm-hmm. are interested in that, you should you know, really this is the second back. time we brought him up recently. So yeah, I, I know. think it's a sign <laughs> that we should probably like, you know, reach out to him and, and have a conversation with him again. I think it would be great to get him on and just get him to talk about the film industry and art in relation to COVID and what's going on in the world today, because Mm. I was having a great conversation with him and he gets quite passionate actually, when he talks about the film industry, he talks about art and um, it's amazing because he's, he's a real like producer, like a real money guy, right? Like a real, like make it happen. You know, the, the crunch, the numbers, get the people together, package the film, you know, gap that financing. He's like that guy. But at the same time, he's this artist who's like, and he was saying to me, he's like, this is an essential service. And, and he's like, I really think the world's going to come out of this and they're going to see film as an essential service because just look how many people are watching Netflix or watching Amazon or watching whatever prime they're they're like, and, and this is such an important part of us coping with what's going on in the world and us dealing and us processing. And it's, it's such a shared thing. I mean, every time I go out and talk to people or every other time it, we're talking about, we'll, we'll have a mention of a movie or some comedian show we saw or some show we're watching. Right. And these things are very important and they're fundamental in our lives in a lot of ways. Well, you know, and, what's also kind of a crazy little thing around that too, is that I feel like I feel like in so many ways there's more truth to be seen in like a, a great scripted film or or TV series than you can often find in in the news. Yeah. You know, like it's like you can like it's almost more clear and more like you know, there's something you know because at, at the core of storytelling and movie making and art is is to really try and tap into the universal humanity that we all share you know it's not about the divisiveness that we're being fed Mm -hmm. on a daily basis through whatever it is whether it's through mainstream media whether it's through your through your social feed on on whatever you know instagram facebook whatever it is that you're onto like it's 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 insane it's kind of insane when you think about it Mm-hmm. But like, it's a place where we can go and in some ways we can find refuge and mm-hmm. almost more than ever now. Yeah. Just a and side I, note. I, I, I know. I, I think it's I a great comment. Off, and I, I mean, I know this is a bit of a diversion in a sense from what we're talking about, but it, I, I think this is going to come back around. And I think that, you know, with art and just like media and, and film, even if we want to even get specific there, but I mean, paintings and everything, it's a maturity process. You know, art, people don't always think about this. They don't always realize this, but when you're younger, you'll tend to watch very fluffy stuff, you know, and you'll be attracted to almost a kind of, and and entertained by things that are quite simple, you know, but as you get older, like that's why the, that's the dad joke. You know, the dad joke is something where you can entertain a kid with something super silly because the kid's sense of humor and sense of, exposure to media and and just that type of world is so limited so things are funny like for example i remember i was driving with my dad when i was like a real little kid and i remember we're just driving along 
And I said, my favorite car is a Lamborghini or Lamborghini. And he's like, a Lamborghini, you know? And I was like, ha, I, like, I thought it was hilarious. I just remember <laughs> that so specifically. And it's so silly, but like I was a little kid and the fact that he took that word and he made it into something like, you know, and my maturity was obviously limited because I was younger, right? Like lower. <laughs> yeah. And maturity develops as we watch content, you know? So younger people tend to watch more like, um, kind of more like actiony, like fluffier stuff. And then as you get older and you mature, you look into more like artistic, more emotionally depthy, profound stuff. Not everybody goes as far down the maturity road of media as they can, but there's something about that that I find extremely interesting. And if you were to imagine a world where there was no media, just think about like no books, no anything. Can you imagine how underdeveloped we would be as a culture? Like, like media cultures us in so many ways. We learn so many things from it. And yeah, like people will say, well, I wasn't raised on television. Like that'd be silly. But in a lot of ways we are, we're raised by, and I'm just talking television. I'm talking books. I'm talking paintings. I'm talking music. Music affects us and moves us. And the lyrics in those songs, um, we, we grow and evolve through this stuff. And so I think that sometimes people will take their artistic expressions and they'll go, well, this is, doesn't really matter. I got to take care of business. I got to make money. I got to pay these bills. And it's like, I would argue, and actually Gabe, when we had this great conversation, he, he was arguing that like, yeah, but that's necessity. That's a necessity. And if you're not doing that, if you're not, if you're not exposing yourself to culture, you know, and let's not just even talk art, let's talk culture. Cause this is a culture thing. You're, you're missing out on an entire part of the socialization and community process of connection. And so being unapologetic about what you want, you know, that's kind of you saying like, look, I have a, I have a part in what I'm trying to create, what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to expose myself to in the world. And that's kind of how I wanted to bring it around. And I have another point, but let me just kind of hear your thoughts <laughs> now that I've said a whole speech. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, like I, it, it, I like that you brought it back around because I'm just like, it's like, where, like, Whoa, how did we, how did we land here? <laughs> I know, yeah. um, but sometimes that happens and you just got to roll with it. It was a fun, I, I, it was a great little um, diversion. First thing I wanted to come back to was just a little thing of this person who wanted to start painting I was told to clean out the shed in my head. The funny thing was, well, he should clean out the shed and turn it into an art studio. <laughs> yeah. <totally>. <laughs> <laughs> um, cause how perfect would that be? It's like, you know what? That's a great idea. <laughs> Can I say one thing? Bill Burr's advice to him was like, he's like, what, what should I do? The guy's like, what should I do? And the guys and Bill Burr's advice is the first thing you're going to do is you're going to go down to the store and you're going to buy yourself an easel so you can, yeah. and you're going to buy yourself something to paint with. That's the first thing you're going to do before you even have a conversation with the wifey and whatever, like you're going to go and you're going to do the thing because that's, that's what you want to do. And I think that's a, a really good unapologetic advice you know yeah like go get the thing to do the thing you want to do that doesn't affect anybody doesn't hurt anybody if it's going to not like if you guys aren't going to be able to eat and you need to feed your children and this it's gotten to that point then maybe you know maybe you gotta like yeah i mean it's this thing it's not about it's not a, about ignoring responsibilities yes you know it's not it's not about that but it's about creating room 
which there is to do. Like most of us can find room to do these, to, to, to nourish our, the, the creative capacities that we have and the creative capacities that need to have expression that every single one of us on this planet need to give expression to however mm -hmm. the hell that is that you give expression to that thing. But there is a real need to do that. And it's, and it's time to stop, um, you know, putting that off out of a sense of practicality. It's just like, Oh, you know, yeah, I do. I got to go and clean out the shed. You know, it's just like, you can clean up the shed, but you can still paint. Yes. You know, like it's, it's, <sighs> Like it, it's, we're insane people, you know, like very often when, when I, I take the time to think about it and look at it and just this whole example, it's like, we're insane. We're absolutely insane. We will put off the things that, that actually stir something up from deep within us, you know, of, of excitement and passion and, and creation. And we'll say, well, you know, but you know, but this, but that, you know, it's just like, we'll, we'll gravitate towards the, just the, the shit mundane things. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can find, you can find beauty in the mundane, but my God, you know, like, Go and paint something, mm -hmm. you know, pick up, pick up that guitar that's been sitting and collecting dust in the corner for the last, you know, year or two. Like, like do these things that are nourishing to your soul and your creative being, mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I, I don't know if we've, um, was there something in specific that you wanted me to comment on? Well, no, but I think you've commented on it in a way that has kind of furthered the point and you brought in just based on our conversation unfolding, and this is always how it goes, but you brought in how one of the important points you brought in, and I want to mention this was that it's, I don't know how you said it. So, you know, rewind the podcast if you want to hear it, <laughs> but listen, you said something like, um, it's not about like, essentially what I heard is it's not about shucking your responsibilities and walking over people and that type of thing to get what you want. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, um, you have something in your heart that you want. And I love my friend, Megan, her, her rules. I've said this on the podcast before. I'll say it again, but she teaches preschool or, or like, um, you know, kindergarten, that type of thing, you know, grade one, two, three. And she has these rules. She says, don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt anyone else. And don't break my stuff. And now she changed it. She just told me the other day, she said, now I say, don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt anyone else. And don't break our stuff. Our mm. being the key word. She said it's a it's a bit of a tweak and it's a bit of a game changer. And it is, yeah. I, I love this idea for adults. Don't break our stuff. Think of someone else's stuff as yours and theirs. And your stuff is theirs too. And look at it that way. Think about stuff, you know, and, and it's, I'm not just talking about material things. I'm talking about like relationships. I'm talking about things that are built. I'm, I'm talking about all that, right? And it's like, Go for what you want unapologetically, but if it's going to hurt you, hurt someone else or break something, then you need to take a moment to really consider, is this what I really want to do? Because for me personally, if I'm going to hurt somebody to get what I want, that makes me want to go, mm, I need to be a little bit more mindful about just bulldozing through this. Mm -hmm. But if you can recognize like, Hey, I'm going to do this. And like, I'm not talking about hurt feelings, like, jealousy and envy and that type of stuff like that's bullshit that's nonsense you know forget yeah. that but i'm talking about like breaking your word i'm talking about you know physically 
harming somebody because you did something careless, you know, that type of stuff. Don't do that. Um, So you just brought up something that I thought was really important. It's like, go for what you want and you don't need to apologize to go for what you want, but you do need to be mindful that what you're doing is not going to be like directly and obviously hurting someone or damaging something. Mm -hmm. There are ways where you will cause damages that are unknown to you, unforeseen, and you have to risk that and you'll learn. But if you knowingly know that you're going to hurt somebody, hurt yourself or break something, and you know that that's a high chance, it's your responsibility to be considerate of that. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying be considerate of it. Because I think that's an important part of this conversation. Yeah, because like the hurt of somebody, it's like, you know, maybe the person you're hurting is somebody who is somebody who's been unsupportive of you this whole time, you know, or isn't a person who's particularly good to you and you doing something is, you know, going to hurt them basically for all the wrong reasons. Like it's going to hurt them because of their bullshit, you know, and in that case, like that's basically what, you know, you get into. That's, that's a toxic person. That's a toxic person in your life. You know, it's like the person saying like, you know, go clean the shed. Um, God, I really well, hope yeah. that this person works this out with their wife. Now it's like, <laughs> now it's just in my head. I'm well, just like, I really hope that, that they work that out because, you know, that's, that's troubling. That is you know, troubling. when I, he- yeah. when I hear something like that, like that's, that's disturbing. You know, when someone who's your, like your life partner doesn't, doesn't support something creative and that you have passion for, you know, like that's, that's, that's discouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's something that needs to be confronted. That's a whole side issue. Um, I have something to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. You build relationships with people and you build reputation with people and you build based on consistency, persistency, and how you show up. I have a client, for example, and last month we had a big, we had a kind of a big moment and he was a client. I was like, look, like we had a big talk and this is in front of the whole class and the class was getting frustrated and it was difficult, but I was like, look, I don't know if you're making the cut for this class. Like this class functions at a, at a certain level and you're not doing that. Right. So like we need to talk about this. And he yeah. was like, well, he's like, and his argument was like, but I, but this class is helping me to succeed here. And now that I'm going to do that, I feel like you guys don't want me to. And it's like, we want you to, that's exactly what you're here to do. And that's exactly the point and why you're here and everything is doing this. But because you've shown up late for X amount of classes, because you've missed classes without notice, because you've done this, you built a reputation with myself and with everyone else about how you show up in the world. And this conversation isn't about what you're doing today. This conversation is about how you've been showing up with consistency and persistency with this particular group of people. So when I look at this husband, for example, says, I want to paint with his wife, he might've been consistently like doing things that are, you know, so I want to kind of just put myself in her shoes for a moment and just be fair. Cause I know nothing about the details of that, but yeah, when you're there going to always for, be context that changes right. the picture. And I don't even know if this is the context of that situation, but I want to say like, when you're going for what you want, understand that if you earn respect from people, if you earn credibility with people, if you earn a consistency of keeping your word and doing things that you say you'll do and, um, you know, not being flighty, that type of stuff, they're going to give you a lot more room 
a lot more real estate, a lot more territory to have your dream. So don't get mad at somebody immediately because in without context, she's obviously wrong. She's mm-hmm. obviously got the wrong point of view. In it, it's clear to everybody, I'm sure. But with context, you might go, well, she's not talking about what we think she's talking about. And I'm just throwing that in to be devil's advocate because I think there's a lot of people out there that they go, well, I'm going to go for what I want. And, and then they create an enemy out of somebody who's maybe considered toxic or not supportive. And it's like, hold on a second. Are you building a relationship with them that's based on mutual respect, keeping your word, showing up consistently, not being flighty, these types of things? Because if you are and they still are holding you back, that's toxic. But if you're not and they're holding you back, you have to you have to take that on the chin and say, look, I know before I pursued other things and they've been kind of like a fad or they've been this thing or whatever. And, you know, I didn't, you know. I recognize my errors, but this thing now is important to me. And I, I realize that your experience of me has not been as solid as I would like it to be, but this is really important to me. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about my dad on this podcast. <laughs> he and I have a very, very interesting relationship, very hard relationship, but it's like, it has, um, it has flowers in the apocalypse, <laughs> as yeah. we've mentioned before. But but he taught me something really important when I was younger. Because I used to be like, well, I want to play guitar. I want to buy this downhill mountain bike. I want to, and I always want to try things, right? And he kind of showed me that when when you kind of like want something and then you abandon it, there's a responsibility for wanting it, you know, like getting a dog, for example, like you got the dog. Now you got to clean up its shit. When you like, for example, let's say it's painting, right? You've got to, you know, if it's going to make a big mess in the house, that has an effect on everybody else. So you got to clean up your paint. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't just get to paint and then leave it and then be like, whatever, I don't care. Um, to some degree, I'm trying to make a comparable here. So, you buy credibility with people by how you show up and how you clean up your messes and how you keep your word. So if you want more territory with people, you know, you might say like, Hey, I tried this thing out. I realized I didn't, I wasn't really into it. I thought I, I but I tried it and I wanted to, and now, you know, I'm going to clean that up and move on. But if you like, um, pursue things and, I mean, I'm just thinking about a couple, right? It's like you're using each other's money to go pursue your passion. And then all of a sudden you abandon your passion. Maybe you have a better insight on this than me. I don't know. But like you abandon your passion. It it has a cost on the couple, right? So um, I'm just saying that I want to throw this in. Be unapologetic about what you want, but be considerate too at the same time. Don't, don't just be mindless and, and selfish and self-involved about it. That's not what we're saying. And I, I know mm-hmm. that you agree with that. But I think when it comes to relationships, we have a responsibility to, we don't need to apologize and we don't need to make excuses. But at the same time, we need to take accountability for how we show up because um, just, you know. We do, we need to make, yeah. we need to make room. Right. You know, there needs to be a space that we create 
for ourselves and within ourselves, obviously first and foremost, but and but in our environment as well, to give these things expression, to give these impulses, and again, yeah, like curiosities. We've had full conver- conversations where we've talked about just how powerful and incredible curiosity is. You know how transformative curiosity is and yeah there's there's a being mindful but we have to um no my light just my light just hit the ditch um um, there needs to be room for all of those things to exist within our lives because they are absolutely necessary for us to live and lead fulfilling and joyful lives um so yeah it's it's not it's not a matter of yeah just carelessly going around trampling over whoever it is in your life in pursuit of something you know uh there's but i i feel for most people that's that's not really that's not really what's happening mm-hmm. i think for the most part people are you know sitting on these things because they think that they're foolish for some reason mm-hmm. you know it's foolish or it's stupid or it's silly or i don't know if i really or it's if not this gonna is, get me anywhere you it's know? Not, which is a terrible reason to not do something you know like it's like what the fuck does that even mean anyhow yeah. um you know that's not the way creativity works creativity and creation is is exists for itself you know it's a celebration of itself you know like yeah sometimes there's there is uh rewards for for it that that come out of it but that's not the reason for it you know and you can look at you know nature is operates in this way you can actually it's i would i was reading this article i don't even remember where it was now but it was really funny because it was pointing out just how in some ways nature is very inefficient to a large degree like a tree will shed how many like nuts and seeds and whatever like that that will never ever actually take root into anything you know like it's just like it's just this barrage <laughs> of stuff for for a creation you know that may never actually happen but it creates more than what is necessary in some ways so it's like there's some there's something somewhat superfluous about create about creation even in nature mm-hmm. um sort of a side note to it i i don't know if i had to come back around on on this one but really i think that we need to give room and entertain these things that even if they are maybe just a curiosity right now you know yeah maybe you're not going to become a painter professionally and that's going to be your new vocation in life but maybe it's something that you do on the weekends because you know it it's something that's calming and soothing and and fulfills some uh you know some unspeakable part of you Mm -hmm. you know or maybe you drop it all together and you go it's like you know what i don't like painting but you know what's really cool is charcoal sketching I just go, you know, like, it's like you, you find something, it just, you know, it leads to the next thing, but to stifle that curiosity, to stifle that, that, 
that thing that that's a part of you that wants to go and try things. I mean, that's I think that's honestly that is one of the most honest human qualities that we possess Mm -hmm. is just that thing that wants to like, well, what if we try this? Let's try this. Let's go and do that. Like that's I think that that's like one of the most beautiful human impulses that we have. And and one of the most uh, absolutely natural things that that we all do. And it just is is madness to try and and work against that. Mm -hmm. I love that analogy about nature being inefficient and just that whole parable, because it's like so much of creativity is like that. It's like you, you just like drop these leaves, plant these seeds, you know, like these things kind of just come out of you and so much of it is not going to go anywhere. It's not going to do anything, but being creative in and of itself is part of the whole life experience. And I find, you know, I mean, I work with a lot of people in creative realm and I find that like a lot of people, they just, they get so caught up in trying to do something well, trying to do it right, trying to do it perfect. And it's like, I always say this to writers all the time. I'm like, you got to be willing to write shit. You know, you got to be willing to write terrible stuff. I mean, that's how you learn how to write good stuff. You know, you, you write stuff that's, that's bad, that's cliche and overly emotional and over, over directed with your writing. And yeah, you write all this stuff and it's like, that's part of the learning process of figuring out how to write, you know, is, is, you know, that's what you do. Like Bill Burr and, and Joe Rogan, a couple of guys I really look up to from like just a creative standpoint, they talk about comedy, how you got to go up and you got to like basically um, bomb on stage. And that's part of the learning process of working out a bit, you know, you try it. And they were sharing, they were sharing the story about how like a lot of the time, there's certain, I guess, um, you know, uh, like places where they'll go and lots of comedians will do this. They'll be like, they'll try a bit at a smaller audience. And, um, you know, some comedians will say like, that'll be funny in a couple months. Like, you know what I mean? But I'm working on something here and, you know, and, and they, they kind of just, the, the, the ones that get really good, they kind of talk with the audience cause the audience is there realizing like, Hey, like this isn't your special this isn't the most refined version of these bits, these jokes. This is you coming up with an idea. And like they were saying like, you know, as a comedian, you know, something's there, but you don't necessarily know how to deliver it or how to execute it or where to like take it, but you know, something's there. And so it's something you gotta work and you gotta work. And so, um, you know, if you listen to the best comedians and you listen to them really talk you know, openly they'll, they'll say like, I bombed, you know, I bombed here, I bombed there and these experiences they've had. And that was how they learned. And like, why is any bit of art any different, you know, and stand-up comedy is an art, you know, stand-up comedy is an art oh, yeah. just as much as writing is just as much as acting as filmmaking as painting as playing guitar or the trombone or whatever the heck it is that you're doing. Um, so I think here's another point, Evan, you got to be unapologetic for your practicing. <laughs> unapologetic yeah. for making mistakes for not being perfect for not like just picking up the instrument and being like graced with the gift of god of like being able to play like you know you name it like the the best musicians in the world right like like some people will have anomaly kind of 
almost like these special talents and abilities to just like they can hear music and they can comprehend it or they can comprehend something else, some other art medium in a certain yeah. way that not everyone can. And they're like almost borderline autistic. Like they're just, it's like a weird thing about them that they're able to do. And I don't think you should compare yourself to that because that's an anomaly, right? That's, that's a strange thing that yeah. occurs in our culture, but just because someone picks this thing up and is extremely good at it right off the bat, doesn't mean that that you can never be where like they want to go or like like yeah well i mean it doesn't mean that there isn't room for you you know yeah. in there too you know there's that um i've said this a number of times in the show and i don't remember who said it classic um <laughs> but <laughs> classic. it's it goes something like the forest would be awfully quiet if only the most beautiful songbirds sung yes you know, like, and, and I, I just absolutely love that one. You know, like it's because it's, it, it's exactly what I'm trying to say here, which is like, there is room for you. There's more than yeah. enough room for you to do this thing, to go and to sing your song. You might not be, you know, at the certain level of this person or that person or achieve the the level of notoriety and fame as this person or that person it doesn't matter because you have your audience, you have your people walking in your corner of the forest mm -hmm. who want to hear what you have to sing, yes. so to speak. This I've is been, getting maybe a little yeah. bit sentimental. Well, and <laughs> like there, you know, there's so many different types of trees for example, in the world, maybe this sounds unrelated, but it isn't. There's so many different types of trees. I've been down, you know, to Northern California. I've seen the redwoods that like are so massive. You're like, I don't even understand how a tree is this fucking big. Like, this is incredible, right? I've been around that. And I've also, you know, walked in like rather newer forests comparatively that have these small little trees. And it's not like I'm like the one forest is different than the next, but just because I'm not in the redwoods every time I go into nature doesn't mean that that nature experience isn't worthwhile and valuable and important. So like, and there's so many other elements to the nature of what is created. So, you know, you might like, I mean, and if you take that analogy, the forest would be awfully quiet if only the best songbirds sung kind of idea. Well, if only the best songbird sung, then only the best of the best would sing. And then only the best of the best of the best would yeah. sing. And then pretty soon yeah. there would be one bird singing and everyone else would be watching. And that would be all the music of birds ever. Yeah. And, you know, the birds that are maybe not singing as well as the birds that are singing at the best, for example, the birds that aren't singing the best are learning how to sing. You know what I mean? And like, I think we have this weird relationship to expression and creativity where it's like, I can only do it if I'm good at it. I can only do it if I'm the best at it. And it's like, that's just not true. And mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you can make money from it. You know, it doesn't mean that you can compete based on where you're at, but it doesn't mean that you have to be quiet and doesn't mean that you're not allowed to do this thing. It doesn't mean you have to be inactive. And I think that there's an important line of this conversation, which is that just because you're new at it, just because you're maybe not good at it, maybe just because you haven't had the best teachers, or you haven't learned or whatever, 
or maybe you're behind everybody doesn't mean that you don't get to play too. And I think that you can be unapologetic for not being good at whatever you're doing. And if you're unapologetic and you're willing to try and you're willing to work at it and you're willing to learn, you will get better. And eventually if you just keep getting better, if you just keep working at it, I mean, most things you will eventually find your way. But I mean, like we, I think that this brings up a whole other element of like comparison, which mm-hmm. is like a recipe for disaster. You know, yeah. it's like, apologizing for not being as good as someone else like you don't have to apologize for that no and i mean and the thing is is that like there's the thing is like even the best songbird people will get tired of listening to it you know what i mean like we, we we there's a reason why we love to listen we have lots of different favorite bands and artists and whatever and yeah we have some that are are you know we love more than others but we don't just listen to the same person. We just don't just find this one person and we're like, all right, that's it forever. That's the only thing I'm ever listening to again. Yeah. And that would be seem... like, listen to one song for the rest yeah. of your life and that's it. Yeah. You'd eventually, you get tired of it. You get tired <laughs> yeah. of that songbird, so to speak, you know, and I, this might seem like a weird example, but it like popped into my head. I remember seeing this interview with Enrique Iglesias back in the day. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder what he's doing these days. Is he still making music? I have no idea. I have idea. no idea. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's like for, for all of you people out there, if for our younger audience, Enrique was like up at the top for a while. You know, like he was one of the biggest pop stars in the world. And I just remember seeing this interview with him. And he was saying, I am not the best singer in the world. He's like, I'm not even close to the best singer in the world or musician or, you know, the most technically knowledgeable about music. He's like, I just try to do what and and write the music and do what I do as honestly and truthfully to me as I can possibly do it. You know, and I, I had such tremendous respect for that statement. You know, like it's, it's exactly what we're, we're talking about here, which is like, yeah, like I'm not the most incredible singer i'm not the best of of i'm not the best at pretty much anything you know in in music if we're talking objectively technically speaking like not like there's there's hundreds thousands of people tens of thousands of people probably that are more accomplished than he is but it's a testament to the fact that there is some other ingredient there's something else that goes into this whole into this whole soup, <laughs> so to speak. Mm. You know, like it's it's not just about being being the absolute best. It's great to try and be as like what's the, that thing? It's like don't try and to be better than other people. Just try and be better than yourself yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, like just trying to be t- for you to do better all the time to set your personal best all the time because yeah the whole comparison thing as you were alluding to you know and i i think we've we've talked about this before i'm almost guaranteed we've talked about this before about comparison but like uh you know comparison is really a dishonoring of yourself you know like you know like be like you can admire other people you can appreciate what other people 
bring to the table. You can be inspired by what other people bring to the table. By all means, take all of the inspiration that you can get. But don't let that diminish you. That doesn't ever have to diminish you in any way. There's still a space for you to be and to exist and to create what it is that you create. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it's interesting when, like, you know, just we don't really know. We don't know what we're doing, like how impactful that is. We don't know what difference it's making, what how people are responding to it. I mean, we get such little data on that, really. Like, um, and and we try to quantify it by how much fame does a person have, or how much money do they make, or you know, what are the impacts and stuff. But I, I had one of my clients say to me, you know. They said, see, you don't know, because right now you might be doing the most important work in the world. And when they said that to me, I was like, like, I just tried it on for a moment. I'm like, well, what if that was true? Like, what if the work that we're doing is the most important stuff in the world right now? And, but I'm like, who, me? <laughs> who, me? Like, I'm, I'm even capable of doing anything that's like even close to being the most important work in the world. But that's the thing about, when you're really truly trying to do something in your life, you don't know, you just don't know. And I mean, um, objectively, is it the most important work in the world? I don't know. But like to that person, maybe it is the most important work in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so I think that this, this whole thing about like what you want, what you're trying to do, you know, like, with the course that I've been working on and the course, the, the couple courses that I've been developing, you know, they're very, very important to me. And I, and I want to do them. I feel like they're important. And I feel like, like they're things that, that people need in the world. And it's because for me, when I look at myself and my life, I'm like, this is what I would have wanted created for me. You know what I mean? And I, and, and um, I've worked with coaches who have helped me refine it and helped me like bring it to another level and up the game. And, and I've learned how to give people like an integration every time they, they work with me. I've learned how to give them simple steps. I've learned how to be patient with people, how to make them clear that they don't need to conquer the entire world on day one. You know, I've learned these skills. And then I had one coach that said, look, you're going to take your life story, whatever it is that you want to teach, but we're going to take your life story and you're going to teach that through your story. And they helped me to like really tell my story and then teach what I'm doing. And they're like, see, when you do it this way, it's proprietary. Nobody could ever even try to compete with what you're doing here. Not that it's better or worse than anyone else's, but it's absolutely 100% true because it's you and it's your story and you lived it and no one else has the authority on that but you. And when I'm talking about going for what you want and being unapologetic for it, that's what I'm talking about. And that's like one of those things that like, I wish that I heard that when I was younger, that like, I didn't have to be better than everybody. I have to compare with people. What I had to do was really try to tell my story truthfully through me in acting, in filmmaking, in writing, whatever that was. We talked about this in a, a, a last podcast, I think. Maybe the podcast before we talked about the Love Lost script. Mm -hmm. That was the first script I wrote where I finally just told my truth in a story. And it wasn't about trying to do some jig, you know? <laughs> like it was like, 
here's a story. And this is like, and I'm not saying it's perfect. And I'm not saying it's the best script I'll ever do. But it was like the first time where I was like, what if I just told the truth? And unapologetically, ironically, now that we're talking about this, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, what if I unapologetically told the truth? And one of the unapologetic things that I wanted to approach in the script was fidelity, loyalty, honesty, relationships of truth. And I wanted to talk about betrayal. I wanted to talk about that stuff. And I want to bring people through an experience of what it means, what it feels like. I wanted them to feel betrayal. Like if you had never experienced betrayal before and then you, you tasted this script, like tasted it and you just had that sour, bitter feeling. And it's like, you never know what that's like until you live it. And that when a script can make you have that in your, you know, that feeling, that experience, like that wasn't because I'm like a really good writer and I know how to do that as much as it is. I felt betrayal. I know what that feels like. And here's an experience and I'm going to hit you where it hurts me. So if this doesn't hurt you, then wow. <laughs> and people yeah. cried, people cried. One person told me he threw down the script and then picked it back up and read it. Cause like it hit them so hard. Right. And I'm like, that's unapologetic. Yeah. And I honestly, like, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this script's going to work. I don't know if anybody's going to like it. I, people might like hate it because I did this. And I want to also talk about, sorry, I, I just want to bring this up. Um, I have a friend who was addicted to drugs and I want to approach that, but I want to approach it from not like a, oh, this person lives on the street and they're all cracked out. Like, you know, I want to talk about it from a person who's like a normal person who would be your best friend who you'd never know even had a drug problem. And then I want to approach this story from a place where this seemingly perfectly capable, successful person had a drug problem and what that looks like. Cause I saw that in my friend and I, and geez, it makes me emotional because it's like, like I had him cry in my shoulder, you know, and just, and he, he, he turned the corner on this thing, but it had him by the throat, man. And I wanted to approach that with the script and, sh and show people what I saw. That's, unapologetic man but the great thing about writing a script is you can do it without name and names without telling who that was you know and mm -hmm. you can kind of share an experience as opposed to like by the way it's a gossip thing about this person you know and and it's it's hard man it's hard to do this stuff but i but when we're talking about this conversation man it's just like this conversation is opening up so many things for me again like they all do but like mm -hmm. it's like i want to encourage people to try to venture into that world that's just like this untapped territory where they just feel like that's too dangerous and i offend people someone wrote me back for feedback they said i don't like scripts where people do drugs especially openly or like you know like this and i said there because i was unapologetic about how i entered it into the story you know mm -hmm. and some people were okay with it and there was a few people who were like you know and it's like that's just part of the game man that's part of trying trying yeah. to communicate something yeah not everybody's gonna like it and you yeah. know you're not necessarily the voice for them it doesn't make your voice less than as a result of it you know right. uh i wanted to to bring this in because you sent me you sent me this quote and I was like, oh, that's so good. Uh, <laughs> like last week after our our, our 
recording last week, you sent me this Hemingway quote, which was like, write hard and clear about what hurts. I was just like, oh my God. Oh my God, Hemingway. You know, like, he's, oh my God. Like, if you haven't ever read Hemingway, for me at least, like, it, it took me years to read anything from Ernest Hemingway. And, you know, because he's just one of those names and, you know, everyone's just like, he's, people would argue is the, like the greatest one, like it, people will argue that he is the greatest writer of all time. Um, whatever that, that doesn't really mean anything, but you can go and you can read his stuff for yourself and, and just how did, how does what he say, what he says and writes, how does that hit you? How does that make you feel? Hmm. Um, but yeah, he's, he is such an incredible writer and he just had this way of, cause like even that, that simple statement in and of itself, write hard and clear about what hurts. Hmm. Um, like such a short, concise statement, like the statement encompasses everything that he was communicating in it. Yes. It was hard and it was clear. And there's something about that, about that statement that hurts a little bit. You know, because he's confronting just what it can be to hurt as a human being. Totally. You know, and, and just to say it, you know, like I, I was just like, I just meditated like on that quote for like a little while after you said it to me, because I was just like, that is so unbelievable. Like such mm. an, such incredible words. And that's just that that's a statement that's unapologetic. Yes. It's, you it's, know. it's something that, you know, that I remind myself of occasionally. And I mean, I don't personally know where, where things will go for me as a, as a writer, storyteller, screenwriter, novelist. I don't, I don't really know, but, um, it's a medium that I truly am in love with because it has, it has been something that I feel has altered me as a person it's it's a it's given me such a richness to my life that anything i ever wanted from it has already been served to me tenfold because of just writing you mm -hmm. know and if i ever make a a further career out of it or if it ever goes anywhere or not i, I don't know if that'll happen or not and i don't know if i even want that i'm not sure but um i love writing i love storytelling and i love experiencing that and since I wrote that script, which was, I don't know, four or five years ago, um, it changed. Like a after that point, I, I, it just changed everything that occurred for me as a writer. It's, it's just altered my whole trajectory. And I, re I remind myself of that quote, you know, write, write hard about what hurts, you know, basically. And, and um, there's another writer, I just want to mention this because I actually got you to read his book. <laughs> <laughs> Brett Brett Easton Ellis and he wrote that book uh, Lesson Zero. I remember. Oh God! I remember. I'm like, Evan, you got to read this book. And to me, that was another one of those books that was like, I felt that book. Like I felt that book in a way that was like, this is what it's like when, when you have no purpose but you have everything. Mm -hmm. You have everything you want but no purpose, and it's just so. Like, and he, he really, in, in, in my experience of that book, really gave me a feeling of like, this is the emptiness of success and, or like abundance without purpose. You know, it's not, it's just vapid and like empty and the, mm -hmm. the relationships are empty and 
there was, I remember a particular moment in the script and I won't ruin it for anybody who's interested in reading it, but there was a moment in that particular script where my gut dropped and it was like, oh, and I was just like, oh my God. And I, I just, I just saw how, like, how, like it put into context the entire book and what was happening and how meaningless everything was becoming and how bad that was. And I, and I just realized like, you gotta have, you gotta have more in life than just money and women and cars and, and success and stuff like this. And I mean, that sounds very obvious to say on a surface level, but to feel that on your gut level, that's a whole other thing. And that's what a writer did, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, and I feel like artists have that ability and I know I'm kind of talking about that, but like you, for him to write that story was so unapologetic. It was so unapologetic about youth in this, in that current generation, in that place in the world, in Los Angeles. And like, it was just such an unapologetic look at a certain, um, you know, sub society, subculture of our world mm -hmm. that really had an expression of a certain thing that we admire. And it's just such an excellent, excellent experience. And I think like if he was apologetic about it, you would never get that experience. And, and you know, that, yeah, that's you something... never get, get the full, the full expression, the full feeling of everything would not come through. Right. You know, and when they yeah. made the movie, cause they made a movie of this book, they, in my opinion, they were apologetic about it. They were yeah. safe. And well, then, I mean, because uh, the the book was like, yeah, like especially where it where it kind of winds up, yeah, uh, you know, towards the end, it's just like, ugh, like it's 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 horrifying, you know, and no doubt that upset people, no, you kidding. know, and it was like upset it too, but like you know, in, in a book you could sort of get away with it, you know, but in a movie that was maybe something like we can't get away with this, yeah, if they watered it, they watered it, trying to do this, um, but. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it. No, it's interesting. Well, that's like, what I, we're saying, though. We're saying like, don't water it down. I mean, like other people yeah. will water your stuff down because they can't handle it. And if it gets, if you read a novel and it gets turned to a movie, they're gonna try to water it down, probably. You know, um, but don't water your own stuff down. Don't apologize for it. That's that's mm -hmm. kind of the point I'm making. Yeah, and you know, just as you're talking about this, and I, I thought about this uh, last week too when you were talking about your script, and I was just like, you know, if you if you're, you know, in an artistic field and you've never done this, like try creating something that's honestly for nobody but you, you know, that's just something that you're doing it because you want to do it, mm -hmm. you know, just put it, put it out of your head that it's for anyone or, or, or for anything or that has to do something or whatever. What would you create? What would you write? What would you paint? What song? What would those lyrics be? What would it sound like? You know, whatever, whatever the hell it is, what would that be like to you? What is that thing that, that would come out of you if you allowed yourself to do that? Because it is it's a game changer. It's a game changer when you have that experience of yourself mm. and that experience of yourself creating something because it will, it will impact everything you do going forward. 
you know, you know, yeah, you can still get commissioned by this person or that person or this organization or, you know, whatever it is after that point. But you will begin to inject a certain kind of quality into your work from that point onwards because you're going to glimpse something that there's no going back from. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it will it be that thing every single time? No. But there will be something inside it, you know, that that's beyond what you used to do before. Mm-hmm. I think that's such an important part of the whole process is writing for yourself, writing um, or, or painting or, or playing music or doing whatever you're doing, like for yourself, for, for you as the audience member. And it's, it's, it's a strange thing. It's, it's like you're doing it because you enjoy it and because you feel called to tell the story, but without the judgment of other people looking at it, it's like, when you create from a place of like, I don't really care if anyone else sees this, it gives you a a tremendous amount of freedom because I feel like why people apologize is they constantly feel like they're stepping on someone else's toes or they're offending them or especially now with outrage culture and everything. It's like, you know, like, look, you're going to offend people. You're going to upset them. You know, one person, one, one person wrote back about the script. Like, you know, I've been sharing all the positive stuff someone wrote back and said, well, the guy doesn't really do anything. I'm like, it's because he's fucking depressed. But I'm just like, okay, fair enough. That's how you interpret it. But I'm like, yeah, other people got the point of this particular character. And yeah, he's right. I mean, in a script, your characters are supposed to be active and going for whatever they want. But I'm like, from a certain point of view, I'm like, yeah, he's not like, he's not like, this isn't Mission Impossible. (laughs) He's not Tom Cruise trying to save the world here. He's a guy who's fucked up in his life and he's trying to figure some things out. So, um, yeah, you and know. that is the action that's going on underneath the surface. But it's like, exactly. yeah, it's it's funny because this, there are a lot of these little rules and things that are like are come come up in different sort of crafts and arts and whatever it is. Like, say, oh, you got to make sure you you know, like that. Like, all your characters got to be active and blah. It's like, yeah, like to a certain extent, for sure, because we're trying to create something that's compelling. But at the same time, we're also trying to to give voice to things that are real, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's a real thing. There are Mm -hmm. people who have a hard time being someone who takes action. (laughs) Right. You know, and like, like, does that person just not get to have a voice? Does that person not get an expression in, in our mediums? Do we just not confront that part? Are we just going to idolize people who are just action takers all the time? you know, and just sweep this whole, you know, issue under the rug, like it doesn't exist. Like it's kind of, it's kind of crazy, right? Mm -hmm. That's a side note, but. um, It's it's a good, it's a good note. It's a good note because it's like, you know, I feel like a lot of the time we're trying to appease what people want and we're trying to appease the rules of our art. And it's like, sometimes you got to be unapologetic about that. You know, like I, like I, I've been written, I've written for 20 years at that point I had written for, I don't know, 16. And, and it's like, at that point I knew that he wasn't very active and I'm like, he probably, I, he probably needs to be a little more active. Like there was a subtle little part of me that's going like, he probably, but I'm like, I'll figure that out later. Like, this is, I'm just writing, I'm, I'm working this out. But like, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there 
who aren't like super active in their life. They don't know what to do. They're feeling a little aimless. They're walking around feeling like, what's the fucking point? And then you have a story that comes along and you have a character that's sitting in that and you get to ride with them as they work it out. That could be extremely helpful to you. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe, you know, and this is the other thing too, is like the, the movie business is such an interesting business because there's so much pressure to always like be like, we need to get this out. It needs to be like massive, you know, like there, there is a big pressure about how is this going to make money? And we, the more people that see it, because I mean, a movie tickets, like what, eight to 15 bucks, basically these days and like buying a movie. And then most people are watching things on streaming and then so many people are downloading it and whatever. So you're trying to get enough money to justify spending hundreds of thousands yeah. or millions of dollars on this thing. So there's a pressure, right? And so as a writer, if you're like, well, I want to get this thing made, there's a lot of like, well, I need to do these things so that people will enjoy it and will see it. And it's like, yeah, but that's apologizing in a certain way. You know, it's apologizing because you don't think that telling the truth is good enough. And maybe it is, but you'll never know unless you try. Oh man, people will thank you for being able to tell the truth about, about something. Right. You know, if you can, if, yeah, if you can be hard and clear about it, holy shit, man, people will, people will worship you yeah. <laughs> in a strange way. Um, let's, uh, let's wrap this one up. Okay, man. Let's wrap this one up. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about what we're, uh, what kind of suds we're, we're, we're drinking quickly. Um, again, for, if you are a regular listener to the show, you know that we're not, we're, this is not any kind of sponsorship. We just, uh, we just like to drink a nice craft brew when we have these conversations. It's where the conversation started from. Uh, and we just carry on the tradition uh, so for myself, I'm, I'm just drinking, uh, hazy pale ale, Steamworks hazy pale ale. Solid beer. Solid, man. It's delicious. They're, you know what? They're, they're like, they're consistently strong, you know, like I, I don't, and they produce a lot of different kinds of beers and they try a lot of different kinds of stuff. And I think of all of the things I've had from them, I think there's only one thing I've ever had that wasn't my thing and it was like a sour or something, you know, but I'm just not a big sour guy. Um, so there you go. Well, that's good, man. Um, I'm having uh Hoyne brewing co and this one's called he Helios. I don't know how to say that. Ooh. You say that. It looks sexy. Yeah. It's a, it's called a Dortmunder golden lager. A Dortmunder golden a Dortmunder. <laughs> well, it's like yeah, it's like a strong beer, so six percent. Yeah, but oh, yeah. anyway, it's um, it's real tasty. It's a really tasty, delicious beer, and uh, I have enjoyed it thoroughly as I have this conversation. Excellent, excellent. Um, let's wrap this baby up, and I'm gonna go first, if you don't mind. No, yeah, absolutely, go for it. So. You know, there, there was a lot of things that we talked about and wrapping this one up is difficult to like narrow down a specific point. But I want to say that anytime that you're judging something, yourself, the creative thing you're doing, some curiosity you have, that's apologizing. And I want to just put that out there because I feel like people think apologizing is like, Oh, sorry, sorry. You know, or, you know, I did something wrong. No, doing something wrong is stopping yourself from pursuing a creative 
pursuit or a curiosity or um, an, a direction you want to go with your art that doesn't seem to follow the rules. So the thing I want to leave people with is learn the rules, learn the things that, you know, that offend people, learn all that stuff, figure it all out. Sure. But then when you really want to take some risks, when you really want to go and find out what you're made about, be willing to step on people's toes a little bit, not because you're trying to hurt them, but because you know that just because people feeling something isn't a bad thing, even if it's sadness or even if it's like anger, or even if it's some feeling, because sometimes that's exactly what people want. And, you know, a, a friend of mine who, um, who read the script um, that I wrote, it touched on some subject matter that he ended up later experiencing betrayal in this particular way. And, and it, it was something that had informed him about looking at relationships in a way he had never looked at before, because on a very basic level, someone betrays you, our immediate and most obvious response is that person's bad. I hate them. I don't like them. They're no good, they're toxic, they're whatever. But betrayal doesn't work like that. What often happens with betrayal, in my experience, is you still love the person. You hate them at the same time. And it's such a difficult thing to navigate. And sometimes you can still feel hurt by a person and still love them. And this script really gets into that kind of territory. So what I'm saying is that Sometimes you want to approach something. It's as much for your audience as it is for you. Because when I wrote that script, I also learned something. Because I really was like, instead of me just being angry, instead of me just kind of like judging this person and saying they're bad and wrong, like in and, 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 and these, these situations that have occurred in my life, why don't I really look at it? Why don't I look at it like in my deep, deep heart, you know, and find out what's in there? And that's why I cried when I wrote the script because I'm like, motherfucker, I love this person and I still love them and they hurt me so badly, you know? And it's like, so many of us are dealing with that. It's, just, it's, it's, it's a part of life and it's such a hard, hard part of life. But like, it's so much better to find the humanity in these things than to just walk around with this black and white view of that person's bad and I hate them. Cause all you do is you just bury all that stuff inside you. And, and I found that finding the love was what led me to forgiveness and led me to personal freedom. And I, those, some of these people, they're not in my life anymore and I don't want them in my life anymore. And they never probably will be. And that doesn't mean that the love and that feeling isn't there, you know, because love is such a profound thing that we have, we have generations and millennia to explore, to even find out what it is. So be unapologetic about exploring these territories, guys. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know what that means for you. But like, don't try and do it to appease where everyone else is. None of us really know anything. And we're looking to you a lot of the time to help us find a new experience of this stuff. So that's kind of my thought on this topic is be unapologetic about exploring the depths of yourself and your creativity. Mm. That's all great. Thanks. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, I think. I think for myself to just cap this one off is that, you know, it is through what you want unapologetically and by what you want, what do you want to express? What do you want to create unapologetically? It's only when you do it in that way with that kind of spirit and attitude towards it where you really begin to touch upon what it is that you are really made of, you know, where you discover where you are better and greater than you thought you were. That's where you touch that part of you that is so much more you know, than, than you even imagined. And then you can go even further from there and even further from there and even further from there. So begin to give these impulses that you have, your creative impulses that you have, give them their time, give them, give them their space, allow them, allow them to, to come into being and do that with as much force of who you are as possible. And you will begin to know yourself in a way that you didn't know was possible. Thanks for listening to the show. If you got something out of this, if you feel it improved your life or your journey in any way, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode. You can also support us on Patreon, where we have tons of great bonuses. You are the ones that make the show possible and help us to thrive. Thank you for joining us.